Hey, Westside family. My name is Eric Johnson, and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys, and enjoy. Now, today we're going to go through a list of things. I got, I got several areas that we're just going to go through some list, and then at the end, I'm going to bring some scripture into it. Okay, and so this talk is just based off differences uh, that we might have here within the church and we have differences. And so we want to approach and we want to live out these differences in our faith, in our church, uh, in our communities in a healthy way. So the first list that we're going to look at is the harm of inner team fighting. If you're ever tempted to go at it with somebody that is on the same team then you need to really consider the harm that it can possibly uh, cause uh, for not only yourselves, but for the team. So number one, it hurts teammates. So if you're fighting within the team, it hurts teammates mentally, emotionally, physically, if you really go at it. Uh, And so the last thing that a team needs and the last thing that a team wants is to be hurting one another. If you look at the history of the church, so many people don't go to church today because uh, they've been hurt by the church. Uh, And when they say they've been hurt by the church, they typically say that they typically mean they've been hurt by somebody in the church. And so oftentimes people are hurt by somebody in the church because there's a there's a difference. There's a disagreement. And somebody in one or both parties didn't interact correctly because of the difference and their actions toward each other created hurt and created harm. There is thousands, millions of people that don't go to church simply because of being hurt within the church as a byproduct of differences. So number one, it hurts teammates. Number two, it creates a loss of unity. The Bible teaches us and commands us that we must come together in one mind and in one accord. We must be unified. The Bible even teaches us that the world will come to know God by the way you and I love one another. And guess what? If we're not unified with one another, we're not going to be able to properly love one another. And if we can't properly love one another, there is not a light that the world recognizes recognizes or is drawn to what you have is a group of people outside of there and it's like hey I fight my own battles you know in in life and family in the world and the last thing I need to do is be a part of another fight and 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 uh, another idea is we preach unity uh we pray unity we, we we speak scripture about unity but when we don't exercise it guess what it really makes us look like hypocrites Look at somebody and say, don't be a hippo. Don't be a hippo. Number three is uh, a chance to lose the game, the mission, or the goals. When we fight amongst ourselves, the mission is set aside. The game is set aside. The goal is set aside, and we're, all, and we're just so consumed by our differences, and in all reality, we're so consumed on selfishness. We may not label it selfishness, but in all reality, fighting amongst the team or within the team is a byproduct of being selfish. We're so possessive of our ideas and our thoughts or our theology and we're not take, taking other people's uh, experiences into account, 
and we begin to have these inner fights. And it's, again, just based off of me, myself, and I. The fourth one is we affect people who are watching or people who are supporting the team. Whether you realize it or not, people are watching us. Literally, they're watching what goes on on the outside of our church. They're watching what goes on on the inside of our church. They're watching our actions. They watch us as leaders. They watch you as a churchgoer. And when they hear of, when they see that we are fighting and we can't get along and we have these differences, it's bringing out all this ugliness, guess what? It does not affect them in a good way. It doesn't affect them in a loving way. It doesn't affect them in a powerful way, but no, it affects them in a negative way. And then the fifth one, it makes us weak as a whole. If you want to be weak as a church, just start fighting amongst the church. You want to be weak as a family, just start fighting in your family all the time. You'll be, you want to have a weak marriage, just fight all the time. Yeah, it makes you weak. It breaks down unity, it breaks down love, it breaks down cohesion, it breaks down purpose, power, and the list goes on and on and on. God has not called us to be weak. God's purposed us to be powerful, right? With the power of Christ, and as the Bible says, the power of the Spirit. But there are things that we can do that can absolutely cause us to miss the mark and find ourselves weak. And one of those things is fighting. So since the history of the church, there, there has been inner team fighting from, from the very, very beginning. We're not going to go through that history, but I do just want to give you some examples because maybe you can be maybe you can be checked or maybe you can kind of be cautious. Let me just give you some examples of typical uh, inner team fights that has happened in the church. Uh, the Holy Spirit. Oh, this is a big one. From then till now, whether someone should speak in tongues or whether should not, someone should not speak in tongues. Whether speaking in tongues is of the devil or whether speaking in tongues is of God. Whether someone should do it in service or not in service. Whether someone should do it publicly or whether someone should do it privately. Whether it is a thing for today or whether it is just something in a bygone era. It has, it has consistently been an argument and it has divided and it has separated church and churches and believers. Water baptism, uh, another big argument. You got to be water baptized to be saved. You don't have to be water baptized to be saved. Look at what happened to the thief on the cross. And you get all these conflicts. And again, there's been church splits and church divisions. Uh, demons. There's people that believe demons uh, can possess Christians. There's people that believe Christians that demons can't possess Christians. That is actually a very big current topic. It has become very trendy in the last year or two of whether or not a Christian can possess a demon or not. Just for the record, my, me, myself, and I and our church, we don't lay claim on that belief. I do not believe beyond of a shadow of a doubt because after 30 years of ministry, I've never seen a true Christian be possessed of a demon. So just, just, just hear that. I don't, that that's kind of going on through some of you. All right? Let me just tell you right now, we don't believe in that. I do not receive that. I do not accept that. And if I hear you teaching that, I will rebuke you in a heartbeat. It doesn't happen. All right? 
And you won't find it in, in very strong, sound, historical theology that comes out of, of very, very strong uh, uh, biblical teachers. This is a new trend. And it's a trend that the enemy is trying to establish in the church because it does two things. It creates confusion and it creates fear. And God is not an author of confusion and he is not the creator of fear. Amen? Okay, I got to get off that. Get, I, I can get on a round page on that one. I've casted demons out of people. And believe me, I know what I'm talking about when it comes to demons and whether a believer has a demon or is just struggling with an issue. I've had them growl at me. I've had them cuss me. I've had them fight me. I've had all kinds of things happen from demons. I know when someone's possessed with a demon, and every single time it was not a true believer. Does that make sense? Sorry, I said I was going to stop, and that's hard for me to. It has me riled up right now. Nonetheless. Music, old music, new music, music with pianos, music with rock guitars. There's been division. Church buildings, should the church building be uh, holistic and sacred or should the church building just be a building where people come and worship Jesus in? We, I, I was at, at, at one church for a bit of time. And, man, it needed some updating. So we painted, we painted a portion of, of the back walls black uh, for uh, media effects. And I, I, I literally had a group of people stand up and rise up. I mean, they were fighting mad. Like, and, and they were saying, the black parts of that wall is a portal to hell. A portal to hell? I, that was the first one for me. I painted over your mob paint with black paint, and now all of a sudden my black paint has created a portal to hell. Yeah, some of these things you got to laugh at. And if you're a pastor in the moment, you just shake your head and you say, Jesus, give me patience. Jesus, give me patience. Give me love. Alcohol uses is, just a, is another argument. Some people believe it's, it, you have the freedom to do so. Some people believe you don't have the freedom to do so. It has been, I can't say age-long issue, uh, for, but I will definitely say for the last 30, for, well, last 20 years, uh, it has been a major issue amongst the church. People have been totally divided off of that particular topic. Another issue right now is same-sex relationships. That is a big issue amongst the church. There is churches that is embracing same-sex relationships, and there is churches that are not embracing it's absolutely diabolically opposed to same-sex relationships. And it's created all these divisions and all these issues because of the difference. An absolute current run right now because of our holidays is whether one believes in Halloween or one believes in the Harvest Fest. You got people saying Halloween is of the devil. You got people saying, oh, Halloween is just fun. Don't mean anything by it. You got people saying, I don't want to use the word Halloween or go to anything that has Halloween to do with it. But I love Harvest Fest. It has created divisions, it's created issues. Uh, Christmas time. Now, this used to not be a problem, but it's becoming a problem because of, uh, of what has begun to happen at Christmas. Christ taken out of the picture. Oh, chubby old Santa put into the picture. And people are coming up saying, well, Christmas in all reality is a pagan, uh, uh, a, a pagan holiday. It's not a Christian holiday, and they're opposing it. And you're getting all these things that is erupting within the church. And here's the thing. It's okay to have differences, right? It's okay to have differences. But what is important 
is how we go about these differences. How we treat one another. How we handle one another. How we love one another. How we uh, 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 embrace and support one another. It is your prerogative if you believe speaking in tongues uh, is or is not for for today. It is your absolute prerogative if you believe uh, demons can possess Christians or if you don't. It is your prerogative. It's between you and God if you believe you can consume alcohol or you can't. It is between you and God. But we do not have a right to go about it in an unhealthy way. Now, let's, let's look at some reasons why we might disagree. Because if you are on one team in your mind, you're thinking, you might be thinking like, how in the world can they believe this? And you, you, you might get this self-righteous attitude. Like, I cannot believe they don't believe this. I can't believe they don't see the harm in this. Or I can't believe they, don't, that they, they haven't found the freedom in this. Or whatever it might be. And when we don't really have an understanding of why people may or may not uh, believe different things, we can really use mer- we can lose mercy and grace uh, toward one another. So let's just look at some reasons of why we might disagree. Number one, convictions. That word isn't used in, 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 in modern church a lot, but conviction is a, it's more than a feeling, but it is a sense of something is wrong for you. Like, I have certain convictions that you may not have. A sense that I shouldn't do things, that I shouldn't do something. And you might be totally okay with that. A lot of some of these differences that I, that I read is based off of personal convictions. That is one reason we have differences in the church. One of you might have a set of convictions that is totally different than somebody else that might have a set of convictions. Another reason that we have differences is because the levels of our spirituality. You might have experienced a certain level of spirituality that might create a certain conviction for you. Or that might create a certain mindset for you. The Bible does talk about levels of our spirituality. It plainly talks about an elementary level and it talks about a mature level. And it refers to that the elementary level drinks milk like a baby and the mature level eats meat like an adult. So there are different levels of spirituality, and those different levels of spirituality create different faiths. They create different convictions. They create different experiences. There's things in my life right now that I do not do because of the level of my spirituality that I used to do. That has to do with the movies that I used to watch, some of the music that I used to listen to. But now in my life right now, there are some movies that I used to watch that I won't watch today. There's certain music that I used to listen to that I won't listen to today. Why? Because my spirituality has developed, has become more mature. It has created a greater sense of conviction. But it is not right for me to point my finger and judge somebody that has a different set of convictions or is on a different level of spirituality. Amen? Personal experiences. You might have a certain experience with something. 
For instance, let's say you, uh, you, come a fam- uh, you, you come from a family that has gone through substance abuse issues. That experience for you can be like, like absolutely anti-alcohol. But let's say you take someone, they've never gone through a situation uh, with substance abuse, and they might have the freedom to enjoy alcohol at different points and at different times in their life. Person A has an experience that has created no way, no how. I know, I know what that stuff can do to you. Person B is like, I don't see what the big deal is. A little glass of wine here, a little beer there. And, and we have that. We have people in our church and in the overall world of Christianity, they've been through substance abuse issues, and they're like, no way, no how. There's people that has never done it. It is not a temptation for them. They love the Lord. They're used by God, but they enjoy a glass of wine or a bottle of beer every now and then. And we do not have a right to judge one another, condemn one another, and treat anybody different that has created a difference in us because of an experience. Are you breathing? Bible interpretations. Some of us look at the Bible totally different than other people. You might read the Bible and be like, yeah, demons can possess people. Or you might be read the Bible and say, like, there is no demon that can come into a spirit-filled believer. Your interpretation of Scripture might be totally different. You might look at Scripture and be like, oh, speaking in tongues and the acts of the apostles was for the, the, the new church in the Bible. That is not for us today. Uh, we are to live as practical Christians. You know, that's your prerogative. That's your right. Because we all look at the Bible different. And the Bible does say, seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So there's going to be different takes when it comes to us looking and reading the Bible. And then the last one, uh, for reasons that we might disagree, is because of what you've been taught. Maybe you've been taught something by someone you trust and you like. And because you've been taught something by someone you trust and by someone you like, you are just like, man, you are just holding on to that teaching. And somebody else may not like, may not have been taught, or may not have heard a a, a perspective of, of a biblical truth, and therefore they don't go along with that side. So all these things has reasons to create differences. But these reasons create, that create differences are not reasons to create dysfunction. Thank you. I thought it was too. And I didn't even plan on saying that. That was just the Holy Ghost. I'm going to say it again though. Your reasons for disagreements is not reasons for dysfunction. And how we treat one another in the midst of disagreements determines whether or not we become dysfunctional as a church, community, family, couple, and so on. Thank you. Ways not to act when we disagree. Hold your breath. 
I'm going to step on some of your feet. Don't hold it too long. You'll pass out. Number one, do not blast them via social media. I've seen it. I've heard it. I've been told about it. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I pers- can, can I give you a personal? You just so, see where I stand. People who do this without having a one-on-one conversation, I personally believe are cowards. That, that's my stance. You do not have the boldness or the guts to look eye-to-eye to somebody and take the risk of someone responding back to your opinion. Amen. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just move. Well, I'm not going to move on, but I'm not going to say no more like that. Seriously, blasting somebody via social media is such a disrespect. Puts it out there for the world to see. It makes it it makes it makes it other people's business when it shouldn't be other people's business. I mean, if, if you are, are in differences with a person or people, you know, the Bible says if you have aught with your brother, go to them. It doesn't say go to your phone, your pad, or your computer. It says go to them. And it is disobeying the Bible, and it is absolutely dishonoring and disrespecting your brother or sister in Christ. It's to blast them simply because of their differences. Even if they've hurt you, you still have no right to blast them. Because Jesus did say, turn the cheek. But it also says, like I just said, if you have aught with a person, you should go to them. This is one way to bring problems in here. Or this is one way to put gasoline on a spark is to blast somebody on social media. Because what could happen, you don't see each other in the middle of the week, and then all of a sudden you see each other at church, and all of a sudden, if you're not careful, you begin to go, you begin to go at it at church. And yik yakking, talking, you got your little posse on one side, they got their little posse on one side, on, on the other side, and you're just going for it. It's not right. It's demonic. If you want to know something that's demonic, that's demonic. It's the work of the devil. Uh, Shun or mistreat them in person or public. That's not cool. They feel different. They think different. Maybe they act different. Maybe they look different. I've seen it all. And because of the differences, you see them in Walmart, but you go the other way. Are you just, you, 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 what is it called? Defriending? Is it defriending or unfriending? Unfollowing. All right, thank you, Emerald. Unfollowing. You can tell I'm really on that stuff. Yeah, unfollowing. Like you, you, you unfollow, which is a modern way of shunning. Those like me and a, of an older generation, maybe we don't relate to that, but of a younger generation, probably starting with the generation right after me and beyond, that's like major, like if you unfollow somebody for no good reason whatsoever, then all of a sudden it's like you basically spit in their face. I can't tell you how many conversations, like I've even had with Lorana, and I'll, I'll be like, just unfollow them, who cares? 
They're pains in the butts, and, and, and yeah, like, that's me, right? Like, who cares? They're giving you problems. And she's like, oh, no. If, if I unfollow them, then it's like me not being, not, I don't know. I don't even know what to say, but it, it's, I don't do that stuff. If I unfollow you, it's just because I'm not interested in your life. So don't, don't, don't get hurt over it. You don't have nothing that interests me. So I can't help if I don't like crochet. I ain't going to follow you if you crochet and you put all your stuff up there. That ain't my thing. Ain't my thing, and it ain't no chicken wine. All right, let's move on, being silly. Gossiping about them. Now, this is historical in the church. Uh, gossiping about people. Oh, you love them, thank them, pray for them. But as soon as you leave the church, you're talking about them. What, what, and what in the Lord's name? That's, hypo- that, that's hypocritic. That's hypocrisy. Uh, or you think yourself better or more righteous. Think yourself better or more. Now, I, I, oh, my goodness, I've seen this in traditional churches. You're different than them. Quote, more holy than them, and you think yourself better or more righteous. But people forget, people forget to realize that what you might, might, and I emphasize might, what you might be better in, you have to always also remember that there is something else that they're better than you at. That you're not all that in a bag of chips. And you can't look at somebody and look down on them because you think you got something together. Maybe you got a nicer car. Or maybe you don't fall to this particular weakness. Or maybe you wear a different kind of clothes. Or maybe you come to church more. Maybe you pay more tithes. I don't know. There's all these stupid differences that happen sometimes. And people have a tendency to think they're better than somebody else. You need to wake up and smell the roses or the coffee and realize you're not all that in a bag of chips. And just like you might be stronger in one area, you're also weaker in another area. And you have no reason to think yourself better than anybody else because maybe you do something a little bit better. Amen? Another one is, the last one is, don't argue, don't disrespect, and don't fight in private or public. Work it out. Talk it out. And that leads us to the next list. This is my last list. It's a short one. Then I have a Bible verse to share with you. What time we got? 11, 13, 14. How do we act with differences? It's real simple. You agree to disagree. And that is almost like, uh, that is almost an impossibility in, in, in today's society. Like, politically, views on sexual orientation, health. It's like people cannot agree to disagree. It's like we're friends, and we love you as long as you think, feel, and believe like I do. Like, I've literally had people come to me and say, literally, I've had someone stop, and I'm not talking about online, I've had people come to me and say, literally, I've had people stop being my friend because I voted Republican or I voted Democratic, and they voted the opposite of that. I've had people come to me and say, I literally lost a group of friends because I do or I don't agree with a certain sexual orientation. 
I've had people say, I've literally lost a group of friends because I eat meat instead of plants. We laugh, we laugh at that, but it's real. And what happens in society always, always, always makes its way into the church. And we have to exercise this principle. You've got to agree to disagree. If you just pinpoint one thing, one thing that irritates you about someone and you stop being cordial, nice, respectful, friend, friendly and all that because of one, you know, one thing, you're always... You're, you're always going to have issues with everybody because you're never going to come to the point where everything's the same with everybody. Even amongst the, the topics that really matter to you. Like, there are certain topics that really matter to me and my family. Certain social topics. Some of those things I don't get up here and speak because I focus on what the Bible says and I don't give you uh, certain opinions. But I can honestly say to you, in a worldly setting... Before here, along with ministry, I worked in in, in secular settings. Going to school, went to school in a secular setting. I find myself at times in secular settings. And I can literally say to you as a pastor, I've had no issues choosing to agree to disagree on topics in which I was absolutely polar opposite i mean polar opposite like here i am and they're way over here but we got along in conversation we got along uh in the job that was at hand we got along because we respected one another as human beings they knew i was a minister they knew i was a pastor they knew i didn't do certain things or believe in certain things but we agreed to disagree And if we can do that in the world, we should definitely be able to do that in the church. Don't get sideways because someone feels or thinks different than you. Whether that's political, whether that's morally, whether that be sexual orientation, we have to choose Number two, which enables us to do number one. As, as the Bible teaches us, the second greatest commandment in all of Scripture is love your neighbor as yourself. How do you do number one? Is you commit to number two. Love your neighbor like you want to be loved. Would you want to be mistreated because you believe something different than another person? Would you want to be ostracized and persecuted because you believe in something that's a little different? Would you want to be unfollowed, unfriended, kicked off the team, not allowed into the little posse just simply because you believed something that was a bit different? No, you wouldn't. None of us in our human nature would want to because none of us want to be rejected. None of us want to be ostracized or persecuted. And if we want to not 
you know, have that done to us. We need to love our neighbors as we would like to be loved. We need not do it to others. Amen. Now let me give you a verse. So this verse is in Ephesians. So just so the verse can maybe have a little bit more effectiveness, let me give you just a tiny bit of history about Ephesus. Ephesus was a Roman province in Asia, and it was an extremely diverse culture. There's many roads that led into Ephesus, and there was a major waterway that led into Ephesus. And what this created for Ephesus was a major trade center. So people from all walks of life would come into Ephesus for commerce. They could sell and they could buy. Also in Ephesus was one of the, uh, one of the wonders of, of the ancient world. It was a, a temple, uh, no, an amphitheater, excuse me. It was an amphitheater that was designed to hold up uh, 50 spectators. Uh, it was the temple of Artem- Artemis or Diane, Diana, excuse me, uh, and this temple was considered one of the seven wonders of, of the ancient world. It was a place where thousands and thousands of people would come for worship. It was also a place that Paul stood in the middle of and he preached the gospel when he got heavily opposed. So my point is there was a lot of differences in Ephesus, and the uh, church in Ephesus had to deal with the uh, struggle of being so different. Those different walks of life made their way into the Ephesus church, or the church at Ephesus, the, the, yeah, the Ephesus church. And uh, they had to deal with that. And so you come, to, you come to the book of Ephesians, and you have chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, and it, 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 it's speaking in that context. Therefore, or I therefore, this is Paul, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One, two, three, four, five, six major words right here. I have them uh, highlighted out. Humility. If you really want to get along when you don't agree, you need to humble yourself and you realize your opinion is no more important than their opinion. You create, a, you, you create a equal ground for opinions, whether you disagree with it or not. If you really want to get along when you disagree, you apply gentleness instead of harshness, instead of this dogmatic fist, fist to the face approach. You exercise gentleness. The Bible says a harsh word brings, Proverbs teaches us that a harsh word brings harsh words. A 
Another one is patience. Maybe you have someone in your life, they're just, they're just not getting what you get. Maybe they don't see what you see. Maybe they haven't experienced what you've experienced, or maybe they're not at your level of faith. Truth be told, they may never arrive at your level of faith. Patience. Got to be patient with each other. The next one is bearing. What does this mean? It just means dealing with one another. Even when they irritate you. Even when those differences rubs you raw. Like there's some differences socially right now that just rub me raw. They get my blood boiling. But I have, you know, there's a scripture that says be angry but sin not. I have no right for that anger to come out of me and to offend, hurt, harm, or disrespect the people that believe in something that I am absolutely opposed to. So what do I have to do? I have to bear them. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. But how can I bear them when I am diabolically opposed to them? It's because I exercise the second thing that I listed, the second greatest commandment, is to love your neighbor as you would like to be loved. Because on the same note, they are absolutely diabolically opposed to some of my beliefs. And they have to bear me just like I bear them. The next one is eager. Be eager to exercise or be eager to agree to disagree. Be eager to healthily deal with one another in the midst of differences. Be eager to set aside your differences and focus on what and focus on your similarities. Be eager to make things right. Be eager to be okay with someone when they don't see the way that you see or believe the way that you believe. Be eager about it. And then the last one is maintain. Guess what? It's not something we do one, you know, it's not a one and done. Because you might disagree with one, the next thing you know, you're going to be disagreeing with another. Or you might disagree with the one on one conversation, and a week later, with another conversation, you might be disagreeing with them again. And what do we have to do? We have to maintain the attitude of agreeing to disagree. We have to maintain the principle, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I feel like this verse is so on point with what I'm talking about today. Because Ephesians is really like us, America. We are one of the great commerce centers of the world. And from all parts of the world, people come into our country. And they come into our communities because of the freedom to exercise an opportunity for commerce growth, for financial growth, financial independency. We have so many cultures in the United States of America. We have so many beliefs and so many opinions. And the last thing we need today in our homes, 
in our churches, in our communities, is many wars, is many battles, is people hating on one another, people talking bad about one another, people disowning one another, people being ugly to one another, simply because we are different. I'm not telling you to change your belief. Stand strong with your conviction. For me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. But be willing to love everyone. Everyone. Jesus loved the leper and he loved the healthy. Jesus loved the poor beggar and he loved the rich tax collector. Jesus loved the woman at the well like he loved his 12 disciples that walked close to him. Jesus dealt with Judas just like he dealt with Matthew. Because God is not a respecter of people. And if Jesus can keep loving, keep unifying, and keep accepting in the midst of differences, I think it is, it is our responsibility to do the same. If you really want to impact people in your life, love them like no one has ever loved them. And when they really experience true love from you, true love, that's when their hearts will open and you can offer them a true experience with the true God. Let's, let's don't be religious as a church. Let's don't just be Christian-like as a church. Let's be Christ-like. And let's really love one another in spite of our differences. Now, to repeat what I said in the beginning, this message is not because anything is going on. It's not. Yes, we have differences, and I deal with them almost every day. But at this point, we're healthy. But like I also said in the beginning, I believe the Lord gave me this message to speak today as a preventative. Let's make sure our heart is right so that we don't give the devil a foothold into what God is doing here at Westside. Amen? Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.